Our speaker today is Dr. Ed Love. He's planted two multiplying churches, has daughtered multiple church plants, has provided coaching, training, and resources for church planters. He also designed and teaches the church planting courses at Wesley Seminary. He received his Master's of Divinity from Asbury Theological Seminary. I almost said cemetery, seminary. <laughs> his Doctor of Ministry degree from George Fox Evangelical Seminary. He's the author of Fear Not, Reclaiming Hope, Turn, and many other church multiplication resources. Ed and his wife Emily reside in Muncie, and according to his bio, he has three spunky kids, Jenna, Josiah, and Micah. Would you welcome Dr. Ed Love? Hey, it's great to be here with you today. I'm excited, uh, just what uh, God's laid on my heart to share with you here today. And it is a beautiful day out, isn't it? It's just, it's just glorious here in Marion, Indiana. Uh, I am uh, passionate about church planting, as you can kind of see from my uh, bio or life history. That's kind of my niche in life and currently serve as a church multiplication director for the Wesleyan Church and just excited about what God's doing in the world and just seeing so many people engage in the mission and young people engaging in the mission and not saying, I'm, I got to wait until I'm, I'm uh, old and, and uh, just ready to go. It's, it, the time is now. And I love being a part of that type of movement. And we're seeing that happen in the Wesleyan Church. It's so cool to be a part of. And uh, I'm passionate about that, but I'm not really here to talk about that uh, necessarily. I want to talk about something that happens before maybe that would happen in your life. And I want to talk to you today about living with a sense of calling. Living with a sense of calling. That's what I'm wanting to talk to you about today. Uh, there's uh, obviously a reason that there's so many stories uh, throughout the scriptures that we read that have, they all begin, all the great stories, the stories we love to tell, uh, they, they all begin with a calling moment, if you notice. And so this is important for our lives, important to recognize, you know, that's, that's our story too. And, and really it begins, whatever you are to do in life, it all begins really with a sense of calling, knowing that God's called you to do something. Let me get a show of hands here for this question. Uh, who in here could testify and say, you know what? I've actually sensed God calling me to do something, uh, maybe to, to go on a mission trip or to be a part of something, or maybe, maybe even being called to come to Indiana Wesleyan. You just live with this sense of calling and you can't shake it. It's like it hits you and you know God spoke to you and you can't you run away or else you kind of feel disobedient. Anybody? Show of hands. You've experienced that before in your life, right? Uh, it's a great thing to live in that moment. Now, another uh, question for you, and this one, you got to be a little bit more honest, a little bit more authentic, all right? Who in here has ever ran from a clear calling? All right, slowly <laughs> getting up there, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I can. I can relate to that feeling. I've pulled a Jonah in my life and said, nah, you know, I kind of want to do something else. I want to do my own thing. And uh, it's part of my life story, actually. And, uh, and eventually, though, it kind of catches back up with you. And you can't run from it too long. And God ends up hitting you at some point and you come back in line with what he wants you to do. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to do is we're going to drop into an Old Testament story, an ancient story, where we actually see a, a fellow, a future prophet, experience a calling 
from God. And there's two big ideas that come out of this story that I want to share with you. And my hope is that these two big ideas, they're going to help you focus your life and maximize your potential. Okay, so that's my big hope for you today. If you got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings 19. That's where we're going to land. And uh, if you don't know where 1 Kings is, it's just before 2 Kings. Okay, so that should help. And uh, 1 Kings 19, uh, go there. Flip there, turn your phone on there. Uh, that's where we're going to start. Now, just to give you a little background, this story centers around the character of Elisha. He's the future prophet that we're going to be talking about here, okay? Now, this story is an ancient story, and what I love about this, this was, this was like back from the 9th century BC, right? And so, this is an ancient story, but it's as if it could have been written for today. Like, this story is our story, in essence. And the same principles apply to our lives, what goes down in this story. So hopefully this uh, impacts your life and, uh, and in the end makes a difference. So Elisha, anybody know who the, he, he was the uh, disciple of? Elijah. Don't confuse the two. Elijah, in the story we're going to read, chooses Elisha to follow him. Now, Elisha, he was just an ordinary dude. Just an ordinary dude. We're going to come to see he was a farmer. That's what his, his, his life path was until Elijah came along and saw him. And then he picks him up and says, I need you. You're next. You're going to replace me. And so we see Elisha go through this calling experience. And we see him actually respond, all right? And these two big ideas come out of this. Now, what's interesting, Elisha later on has a moment where he actually asks God for a double portion. He had the audacity to ask God for a double portion of what Elijah had. Now, if you know the stories of Elijah, I mean, there's some crazy stories, right? I mean, these are some miraculous stories I mean, just amazing things happen. God uses him in a powerful way. And then Elisha comes along and just says, God, he's this ordinary farmer. God, I kind of want to make myself available. The way that you used Elijah, you can use me double that. He had the audacity to say that. That would be like LeBron James saying, you know, I just want the double portion of what Ed Love has in basketball skills. I mean, that's the equivalent, uh, maybe the other way around, right? I mean, that's what he's asking for, just a crazy idea. Well, throughout the story, you need to know the end, God ends up doing exactly that. And these stories, are, they're, so, they're so great um, and, and fun to read. Uh, so you should check out and read the rest of the, his narrative and just kind of see what happens along his journey because uh, God ends up using him in a powerful way, all because he got clarity around what his calling was. He knew what he was supposed to do, and God ends up using him in a powerful way. So let's go into the story uh, with, with, with me. Uh, 1 Kings 19.19, 19, that's where it all begins. Here's this moment. So here's Elijah. He went up from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair, right? So you got the picture here now, 
All right, I want you to just picture with me. Now, this is an ancient world. They didn't have tractors. Like nowadays, farming actually sounds kind of fun, you know, because you got these big old tractors and then you can hog the road and just, you know, uh, wave at the people behind you. And, and I mean, it sounds, it sounds fun. And it's not as hard, it's still hard, but it's not as hard as what it was. Here's a picture, just, you can just kind of picture what they did. I mean, they literally had a, a piece of metal sticking into the ground and these oxen would pull it and they'd have to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So you can just kind of picture with me uh, what his world was like. It wasn't all that exhilarating. Can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine the smells? Right? There's an illustration of what... Can you imagine just being around that all day? Can you imagine the view that you would have all day, back and forth, you know? I mean, wouldn't that just be exhilarating? Doesn't, don't you want to be a farmer now? I mean, to have those smells and that view. Well, here's Elisha. And what I find interesting about this, I mean, he's just an ordinary guy. He's a farmer. He's got this monotonous life. And maybe you can relate. Maybe it feels like that sometimes. Even when you're going to, to college. I mean, you, it's another paper and it's another book and another assignment and another class and another thing I got to do. And I got all this thing. It just feels like this monotonous. Like, where's the exhilaration? I want to be a part of, of God's movement in, in the world. I, I want to get, get on with it, you know. And, and maybe you can relate a little bit to Elisha. Because here he is in this moment. Something happens. And what is important to see here, this tells us something about Elisha's character. You see, here he is in that moment, just doing what he's supposed to do, working hard. He's focused on what he's supposed to do. That's his job. He's being faithful with the small things in life. Just take note of that. He's just being faithful with the small things in life. Living with the sense. you got to imagine he's having these conversations while he's plowing, conversations with God. Just, God, what do you want me to do? I want to do what you want me to do. I know you've created me for something greater than this. What is that? Will you show me that? You can imagine him having those conversations with God, right? And it's in that moment while he's out there plowing that Elijah takes notice now, catch this this is a free tip good leaders no matter what field or what profession good leaders take notice of young people working hard being faithful with the small things they take notes and then they like to help make a way for them in the future just take note of that this is what Elijah sees he sees them out there working hard doing what he's supposed to do day after day after day doing the hard work being faithful with a few things. And then this moment happens. Elijah walks up. Now, everybody would have known Elijah in the land. I mean, he's a prophet figure. And some things are happening that people know that God uses him. And it's in this moment that Elijah walks up. I need a volunteer. Somebody, get, you're my first volunteer, okay? What's your name? I'm Paige. 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 Good to meet you, Paige. So... Yeah, we'll give it up for Paige. So let me just, I want you to just, this is my cloak, okay? Because here's what happens. The, the story says Elijah goes up to him and he threw his cloak around him. Now this cloak 
probably wouldn't have been what he had. I mean, he would have had like animal skins on. It would have looked like big and bad, all right? But the cloak is important in the ancient world, okay? You got to know this. I uh, remember the story of Joseph, uh, the, the coat of many colors, right? I mean, that's the same concept. I mean, cloaks meant something, very symbolic. And for the prophet, this is what this would have meant. When he took off his cloak and he has this moment with Elisha, you're Elisha. Will you put on this cloak? There you go. Now, what he was doing in this moment, he was essentially making a public statement saying, everything that I am, I want you to have, Paige. All that I am known for, I want you to be known for. I'm passing my mantle over to you. I'm passing the torch over to you in this moment. Now, they're just out in a field, all right? It's just them and God. And they have this moment, this powerful moment, and he now has the cloak. You can take a seat, and you can wear that cloak for the rest of the time if you want. It's yours. Okay. All right, she, she wants to, okay? So here's what happens. Here's what happens. He, he has this moment, all right? Read this story with me. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And so there's, there's a little gap there. Somewhere Elijah realizes, oh, what did I just do? And he puts the cloak on and he starts heading off. <laughs> like, whoops. I'm not sure what I just did in this moment, but I just gave my cloak away. I just gave everything away. So Elisha, though, runs after him. And he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will come with you. And here's Elijah. He responds this way. It's kind of funny. Go back, Elisha, go back. What have I done to you? <laughs> he has this realization that he just ruined this young kid's life because he's, he invited him to come follow him, to be his servant and, and to be his disciple and to learn from him. He invited him into this and then he just realized this kid has everything he needs. He's got a great job. He's got comforts. He's got security. He's got a family that loves him. And I'm taking him into a world of the wilderness where people don't really respond all that favorably to prophets in the land because they're out there telling the truth. So the response isn't all that great. They don't really have a, a place to lay their head. Jesus said something similar to that with his disciples when he called them, didn't he? And so there are kind of these nomadic figures just kind of roaming the land. And he invites them into this. And he's like, whoops, wait, let, let's not do this. Let's not do this. But Elisha responds back. Look at verse 21. Elisha left him and he went back. And he took his yoke of oxen. This is funny, kind of weird, but funny. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they had a barbecue. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I mean, he, he takes his oxen and slaughters them, pulls out the meat, throws it on the fire from the equipment and then he invites everyone to, hey, let's have a little barbecue party. Let's pig out on our meat here. Now, What's going on, we're going to look at this a little bit later. What's going on in this is powerful. After that moment, he set out to follow Elijah. 
and he became his servant. Here was Elisha's calling moment. Are you with me? What if that was your moment? What does it look like for you when God comes in, when something happens, when this moment hits you, and you know God has called you to do something and you can't shake it? You'll do whatever it takes, just like Elisha. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. Elisha's first step, though, take note of this. His first step is simply to be Elijah's servant, to help him, to learn from him, just to be there to support him. That's his first role that he enters into. All right? So take note of that. Now, here's the two big things that happen. Let me give you the first one. Two big ideas out of this story I think is relevant for us. This is important to see when we deal with living with a sense of calling. The first thing is this. You don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. You just got to know that. You don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. And this is the way Elisha responds here in this moment, right? Because, I mean, he doesn't really know what he's entering into. Elijah knows and he says to Elisha, well, let's think about this again. I don't know. There's a lot to think about because what you're entering into is going to be hard. Elisha doesn't know what he's entering into yet. He doesn't know fully what it's going to look like. He doesn't even know yet if he's going to replace Elijah. Okay. He just knows his next step. That's all he knows. Okay. Now this is important because sometimes we want everything kind of mapped out for us, right? Our human nature wants this kind of clear roadmap. I want to know if I'm going to do that, what it looks like. I want to know what my salary is going to be. I want to know what it's, how it's all going to shape up in the end, right? But God doesn't give him that picture. He just gives him the next step to take. You see that? All he knows is I'm clear on my next step is I'm supposed to leave this plowing equipment behind and I'm supposed to go follow Elijah around and learn from him. That's all that I know. This is fascinating, isn't it? He didn't have to go make a little pros and cons list, kind of weigh my options, see which one's better. You know, if it's better for me to go with Elijah and it's, my life's going to be better, then yeah, then maybe I'll go. But if it's not, yeah, maybe not. I'll, I'll think about it. He doesn't say, hey, give me two weeks. I want to just go spend some time just praying about it. He doesn't even do that. He just knows. Why? Because he's been walking in the middle of God's will. He knows that God's got something greater in store for him, a greater purpose than what he's currently in. But he, he wasn't experiencing it yet, and he knew it was going to happen at some point, at some point, and he was ready to go. You see, this is key about Elisha. He was living in a posture of yes. Just living in a posture of yes. You probably don't have kids yet. That's probably a good thing. Um, I got three, as I said, uh, I said before. Here's my three kids, Jenna, Josiah, Micah. They're crazy and fun. I love it. I love being a dad. And uh, one thing, if you, once you are a parent and your parents would know this about you, the, the one thing I, I want my kids to do is to respond in obedience to what I tell them to do. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? When I say, hey, kids, this house is a train wreck. And it's all your stuff all over the place. I want you to take 30 minutes and I want you to pick up all the stuff and clean the house. Now, I'm not looking as a parent to negotiate. 
I'm not looking to bribe them. I'm not looking for them to come up with some list of excuses why they can't do it now. I just want them to do it now, right? Because I'm the parent and I want them to do it, okay? And I want them to just live in a posture of, yes, sir. Woo! I'm excited. I'm ready to go do it for you, dad. That's what I want as their, their father, right? It's the same with our father in heaven. He wants his children. He wants us to live in a posture of yes. So when he comes calling, when he comes knocking, and he's got an opportunity for you to step into, maybe it's a simple one, just that moment when the Holy Spirit whispers, share your faith with that person, share part of your story with that person, encourage them in some way, share Jesus with them, that you just live in a posture of yes. All right, yeah, that's gonna be weird and it's gonna be awkward, but yes, I'll do that. Or if there's an opportunity, there's a need, there's some place you need to serve, like in your church, maybe the kids' ministry needs somebody, and you just, you just know there's a need, and, and they ask for it, and they, you just say, yeah, I can do that. I'm good. I'll fill that. I'll be there. I'll stay committed to that. Living in a posture of yes, it can change your entire world. Instead of having the initial, eh, no, no thanks. I'm good in my little world. Being able to just respond when God comes calling. Yes, I'm ready. Elisha was ready. He was ready to go. He'd been thinking about it, praying about it long enough. He was just ready to step into everything that God had for him. He was ready to go. Living in a posture of yes. And one thing I know about myself is given enough time, I can come up with enough excuses, right? <laughs> you give me enough time, I can give you every excuse in the world not to do something, God, not to step into that next thing you want me to do or that new thing that you want me to do, right? I can do that really easily, and I have done it. I have done it. I've run. I've justified things. But you don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. You don't. You can just step into it. Why is it that we don't need all the details? Well, if we had all the details, it wouldn't be faith, would it? If we had the picture all painted for us, what the next five years are going to look like, or the next year for that matter. See, all Elijah knew was his next step, the thing that he was supposed to do then, in that moment. And he was willing to trust God with the rest of it. Now, Something's, something's true, at least for me, in this. When God calls us, it, it seems like he uses short little words or statements or phrases. I don't know about you, but every time that I've sensed God calling me to do something, it, it hasn't been this long, drawn-out thing. It's just like I received this short word or a phrase, and it just hits me. And I can't shake it. And it keeps hitting me. Every time I go into prayer mode and it's just like, boom, it hits again. For when I was first called uh, into ministry, I mean, I was, I was on a different track early on in my life. I was going a different direction. I was going to a different university than where I ended up landing. And uh, God ends up calling me in this moment. And it was so clear what he was doing. I, I was just listening to this, this preacher go at it one night and I just... I just stopped in the middle of it and I ran off out into the woods and I just knew God was dealing with me with some stuff and I had this moment where I actually repented. I like turned, I surrendered my whole life over to him. I had that moment 
And it was in that same moment, this is kind of weird for me, it was in that same moment that God ends up calling me <laughs> into ministry. It's so weird. And here's the phrase that hit me. It was three simple words. It was, build my church. That was all that I heard. And I just kept hearing it over and over and over. Just build my church, build my church. What does that mean, God? What am I supposed to do with that? Right? I mean, so I'm starting to follow up. God, what do you, does that mean I'm supposed to like go into youth ministry? Because I'm, I'm young, I'm, you know, I like teens. You know, what am I supposed to do with this? What does it look like? Am I leading a church? I, I didn't have any clue what that meant, but I knew that it changed my next step. I had to change universities. I went to a school very similar to Indiana Wesleyan. God ends up using that experience again and again and again. Those three little words has kept my calling focused. And that's what I'm still doing today. When I retire, when I give up, at some point, that's what I'm going to be doing. Just building his church till my last breath. That's the call that God's placed on my life. Now, God's call is unique to everyone. He's got very specific calls. He's got directions that he wants you to go, next steps that he wants you to take, like right now. And I know those little words hit us. Maybe in relationships, you can even get this. Maybe God's speaking to you in a relationship. And for married people, he might just say one word. He'll just say, stay. I've heard that a lot. People will say, I just hear God saying, stay. Stay in this. Keep fighting. Maybe you're in a dating relationship and you hear, leave. <laughs> leave fast. Now. Before this goes too far. You just got to. Maybe you've got an idea. It could be even be a business idea. And you just hear the word start. But what's it going to look like? What, are, what am I supposed to do? You just hear the word start. Maybe God does have a ministry call on your life and you are also supposed to build a church. And maybe you just hear the word plant. New. And that's all you hear. That's all you know. What? What does that look like? Whatever it is. That's the way I've seen this pattern work throughout my life. It's just like these short little statements. And God just uses those things. You see, we don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. Second big idea I think that comes out of this story is this. Those God uses the most hold on to the least. Mm-hmm. Those God uses the most hold on to the least. Now, we see this in the story, right, when he, he goes and slaughters his oxen and he, he, he takes them out and he uh, pulls out the meat and has a little barbecue party, right? And, uh, but here's the powerful thing about this. Here's what he's essentially doing. In this moment, he's burning his plan B. He's burning his comforts, his security. The thing that he could go, always go back to. If it doesn't work out with Elijah, he could always go back. But now he just did something huge and he can never go back because his dad is going to be irate when he finds out that he killed all his oxen and burned his plowing equipment, right? He can't go back. And maybe even a step deeper here, he's burning his fears. 
I wrote a book called Fear Not because I'm convinced fear is what holds back us humans from experiencing God's best and our, the greatest potential in our life. Fear holds us back. And it's in this moment where Elisha says, yeah, I got fears. I got insecurities. I got questions. But I'm going to burn my plan B, my backup plan. I'm just going to, I don't have a backup plan now. I just got to go with you, Elijah. I'm ready. Whatever you have, whatever's in store for me, I'm going to step into that realm. I'm going to give it my all. He burns his plan B. I brought a friend with me here today, uh, Mike Hewitt. Mike, come on up, brother. Uh, I wanted to have Mike share a little bit of his story because it kind of relates to these two big ideas. And Mike is uh, living in Muncie now, yeah, Muncie, yeah. Indiana, just around the corner. Woo! And I uh, see some people from Muncie, Muncie here. And uh, uh, he's planting a church, a new church called Rising Hope. And, uh, and I'm part of the team and just super excited uh, about what God is doing. Um, but I wanted Mike just to share a little bit of his story because it kind of it relates. And, uh, and maybe uh, you'll find something about his story that kind of uh, ties into your story. Uh, so Mike, uh, share with us a moment just on uh, these two big ideas. So yeah. understanding full, you don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. How have you seen that happen in your life? Absolutely. I was 14 years of age and I made a deal with God. I said, God, here's the deal. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll even be who you want me to be under one condition, one condition. Because I knew myself and I knew I messed up things real easily. I said, one condition that you'd lead me and you guide me. And so God has been faithful uh, to that prayer because he said in a short little phrase, I can do that. Mm. I can do that. That was your phrase, huh? That was a phrase. I can huh. do that. And so with that, fast forward, um, most of my ministry career has been in Michigan. That's been my comfortability. I grew up there. I know Michigan. I love the place. And I was living the dream. I was in ministry. My wife, um, beautiful wife, she's, she's living the dream as well. She had three different jobs, working in the school, working in church. And I'm just loving on Jesus. My kids are doing amazing things. I've got six beautiful kids, three boys, three girls. Brianne's here as a freshman. And um, uh, God said, you know what, Michael? This dream that you're living, I've got different plans. I mean, I even had a hot tub in my backyard. I, I was living the dream. <laughs> As a pastor, and, and you are part of this, and uh, some other people are part of this because I said, Michael, I want, I want you to come to Muncie and start a church. And I was like, oh, man, Muncie, I'm living the dream. And, Ed, you even said, Mike, I want you to come be my pastor. Now, I love you, Ed, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of nice thinking that I could be Ed's pastor, but he's, he's got everything together. But then there was a stat in these things as I started investigating this and started praying about this. I realized there was 110,000 people in Delaware County, the county where Muncie's at. 110,000 people that live there. 82,700 people that are unclaimed. I mean, don't have a relationship with the Lord. I mean, these are people going to be eternally separated from the Lord. And that stat broke my heart. And I, and I couldn't sleep at night. I, I later found out that 50% of the babies, more than 50% of the babies born at Ball Un, uh, Memorial Hospital are born with an addiction. Over 30% people are in poverty. And I said, all right, God, you're leading me, you're guiding me. I'm going to go where you want me to go. Muncie 
it is. Mm. And then I'll never forget this. So you, we, we arrive in Muncie, and of course, we make this move, and our kids have sacrificed. And, and we don't know fully what this is going to look like. There's no guarantees. And I'll never forget it because I was sitting in my living room, and I hear knock at the door. It was this little eight-year-old boy, and uh, I'll just call him Jimmy. And Jimmy just walks in, and he's kind of, we're like his second family. And I said, hey, he goes, he goes, is Luke home yet? And I said, no, Luke's not home yet. And uh, I said, but he'll be here in a little bit, and, and, and when he does, he's got chores to do. And he says, well, that's fine. He goes, I don't want to play with Luke quite yet. He says, he says, PM, he calls me PM. He says, I got a question for you. He says, you are a pastor, right? I says, yeah. He says, why? Well, I was wondering if you could pray for me. I says, okay, I wasn't expecting that question, but I said, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. What do you, want, what, do you, what do you need prayer for? He says, well, he says, eight months ago, my, my dad died in his sleep. Hmm. And then things got really bad at home. And so a judge said that I couldn't live with my mom. And so I'm living with my aunt. And he says, this is really, um, I, don't, I don't know what to do. He goes, I just want to live with my mom. Well, the truth of the story is, is his dad overdosed. And um, his mom is trying to kick the habit. And he's living with his aunt. And it realized then, that it broke my heart, that that 83,000 is this little guy named Jimmy. And he's my next door neighbor. And God has called me to reach this town and reach people for Christ. And I don't know what God's plans are, but God said, I can do it. And I said, God, I will go wherever you want me to go, and I'll be whoever you want me to be, as long as you continue to lead me and guide me. And so that's my story. Hey, thanks for sharing, Mike. It's pretty pretty cool to see those two things kind of play out, you know, not really understanding fully, but just responding in obedience and then recognizing, you know, God uses those that hold on to the least, you know, and uh, so appreciate your faithfulness and all that, and uh, it's going to be an exciting journey, so that's happening like right now, like it's a new church in formation, and uh, it's beautiful just to see the movement of God happen. Um, so uh, let me, the band's going to kick in here and sing a, a song um, over us and and we can respond in this moment uh, to what God is doing in, in our lives. And uh, I don't know everyone's story, but I imagine God is calling someone, maybe many, in this moment. And maybe there's a, for you, it's something happened maybe even years ago you sense that calling and those words hit you once again it just popped back up in your face and you you can't shake it all right all right God I get it I get it and maybe it's settled now in your heart and soul and maybe there's an opportunity right in front of you to take that next step to respond something God's aligned something in your life to take that next step and respond to him and so I want to challenge you today if there's anything I can challenge you with. It would be to have a moment. You may not have 12 yoke of oxen uh, and some plowing equipment. If you did, it's kind of weird. Uh, but uh, if you do, I want to challenge you today 
just in your own heart and soul, to have a moment with God. To say, you know what? I'm going to burn, symbolically burn, whatever that source of security is, that comfortable place, that plan B that you got in your back pocket, that thing, just have a moment and surrender it over. Say, God, you got all of me. Whatever you want me to do, however you want to use me, I'm open. I'm going to respond with a yes. I'm going to I'm going to go for it. I don't know what it looks like. I don't get it. I don't see the whole picture, but I'm just going to say yes and take my next step. So will you do that today? And maybe in this moment, um, let's, let's pray. And band, will you lead us? Uh, Father, we just thank you for uh, this time of you engaging with us here today. And, and we just recognize you are the great pursuer. You are always pursuing us, never leaving us. And Lord, uh, we confess sometimes we, we try. We try, to, we try to take off and run from you. Uh, but Lord, today we're coming back. And we know it is because of your unfailing love for us that we can. Your grace, your forgiveness, your love just showers over us. And we're drawn back into your presence, Lord, instantly. So we come to you now. And, and Lord, there's some people burning some cows and plows right now. And Lord, I just ask for you to be with them uh, in the, the upcoming moments and the time that they have with you set aside, maybe even later today. Lord, that you will just speak clearly your calling. And so, Lord, we just respond today and just say, yes, we'll go. We'll do it. Whatever you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.